0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault with when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one but if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, and it, and then and if the offender refuses to, li- to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome back to what some call the real start of the year. I hope you all had a good summer, Uh, although I, I confess and I've heard this from many people, it feels to me like it went really quickly. Does anyone else feel like the summer went quickly? But here we are after Labor Day, we've moved into the fall, so it's a time of transition. Uh, and at moments of transition, I always think it's an appropriate and good and meaningful thing to focus on some core basic doctrine of our faith. And that's what I'd like to do uh, this morning, is talk about a doctrine of our faith. And to get there, I want to share uh, something I learned on a trip I made this summer. Uh, I was privileged to go uh, to Cooperstown, New York uh, for the second time actually in the last five years. Five years ago, I went with our second son, Sam. Uh, this past uh, summer, I went with our youngest son, uh, Andrew. Has anyone been to Cooperstown here? And Some of you may have gone for the same reason I went with the Plymouth Wisetta Youth Baseball Association. We had a great time, and actually, there are a whole lot of sermons that probably could be preached about that experience, but I will get straight to the... Uh, I want to make this morning, and it has to do with what most people think about when they think of Cooperstown. When you think of Cooperstown, New York, what do you think about? The National Baseball Hall of Fame, and the the, the point I want to lift up today that connects to a core doctrine of our faith is uh, the answer to the question, why is the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York? Does anyone know the answer to that? Why is uh, the Hall of Fame in Cooper—boy, we don't know our baseball history very well. (laughs) Um, no one? I know some choir members know, um, but they heard the sermon already. Um, (laughs) some of them, in fairness, some of them knew even without the sermon. So has anyone heard of the name Abner Doubleday? All right. so the Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, New York, because of this guy named Abner Doubleday. And here's the story, and if you go to the Hall of Fame, you will find a plaque that is titled simply, Why Cooperstown? And it ex- explains this, although you can certainly Google this and discover it in, in other ways too. So here's the deal, in the early 1900s, some people who loved the game of baseball thought you know, we should figure out uh, where this game started, the origins of the game. And so a blue ribbon panel was assembled. Again, this is the early 1900s. And what this panel determined and discovered is that a gentleman named Abner Doubleday, who had lived for a time in Cooperstown, then went on to West Point and became an officer in the Army during the Civil War, had played the first game of baseball in a cow pasture in Cooperstown, owned by a gentleman named Elihu Finney. All right, this is in 1839. So this panel discovers this in the early 1900s. In 1920, some people buy this cow pasture and they build a ball field on it, which is still there to, that, to this day. It's a few blocks from the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It's named in honor of Abner Doubleday. It's called Doubleday Park. That's in 1920. It was used as a, it's still used as a minor league park, actually, every year up until 2008, it was used as the annual Hall of Fame location. And then in the 1930s, a a local philanthropist decided, hey, we've got the home of baseball here, we should do something even more. And so he and some other people established the National Baseball Hall of Fame, all because of Abner Doubleday. Great story, right? (laughs) Here's the problem. It happens to be completely, totally not true. Not the part about the commission or the baseball field or the Hall of Fame, I don't mean that. But what the commission found, or what they thought they found, is actually factually uh, inaccurate. And here is that, that plaque I mentioned at the Hall of Fame that answers the question, why Cooperstown? They don't exactly, you know, announce this loudly, but the end of the plaque, the very last sentence, reads this. I am quoting verbatim. Today, historians agree that Doubleday had nothing to do with baseball's beginnings. Which means that the National Baseball Hall of Fame, which is located in Cooperstown, New York, is located there based on a what? Mistake, right? And that's the connection I want to make to this core doctrine of our Christian faith here. And that has to do with the fact that our existence here on on Earth, we believe as Christians, has baked into it from the earliest days a mistake. God created the world, we believe, out of love. And then uh, the way we tell the story narratively about that mistake comes early in the chapters of the Bible in Genesis. It's Genesis. It involves Adam and Eve and an apple. They disobey God. They're kicked out of, of paradise, out of the Garden of Eden. Uh, and I want to make it clear, that story about Adam and Eve is not just some cartoon or caricature about two people and a piece of fruit. It's communicating a deep truth. Again, this is one of our core beliefs as Christians about who we are and how we experience the world around us. The deep truth it's trying to communicate is that our existence here and our relationship with God is somehow broken. It is fractured, it is incomplete, it is imperfect. And again, we tell that through the story of Adam and Eve and theologically we talk about it in terms of the fall or in terms of original sin. Uh, original Sin, capital S to be distinguished, by the way, from the individual sins that, with the small s that you and I may uh, make on a daily basis or fail to make. But Original Sin, again, is about this fundamental break in relationship with God. Now, in our culture, we are a little nervous, I think, about the word sin, right? We think, oh, well, that, you know, Tim, that's kind of a downer, Sin. And I'm getting a lot of downers in the world today. It's kind of a sad place right now. Can't I come to church and find something happy to talk about? And I just want to push back a little against that impulse that talking about our core doctrine of original sin is negative. I think far from that, it's simply honest. What a shame it would be for us to be outside the four walls of this church to be experiencing hurricanes and fires and um, all kinds of natural disasters. And as humans have experienced from the beginning of time, economic challenges and displacement and political challenges and wars and rumors of wars. And by the way, has anyone here ever had any difficulties or challenges in your own life? (laughs) Anyone? (laughs) All right. So far from being negative talking about original sin, this break with God, I think it's honest. And... More than that, I think it's healthy. It means we can come to this place, coming in from a world which, again, has lots of challenges and difficulties, and we can name those challenges and difficulties, and we can all take a breath and say, oh, thank goodness we can admit that and acknowledge it and talk about it here. Can I get an amen to that? All right. So original sin is the core doctrine I'm going to lift up. Now, there are two quick, very important corollaries I want to mention related to original sin. The first one, just because Christians believe in this doctrine of original sin, it does not, I cannot emphasize this enough, it does not mean that all of creation is bad or negative. And again, the Hall of Fame is instructive here. Just because the location of the Hall of Fame is based on a mistake, an error, it doesn't mean the Hall of Fame is meaningless or bad. The Hall of Fame is an amazing wonderful place filled with amazing stories about our national pastime. And the fact that it happens to be built in a location that it was built in error doesn't change that. And in the same way in our existence here, despite the fact that we believe that creation has fallen, we also believe that it is good. This is one of those paradoxes of our faith, and we hold those things in tension. So we accept the fact that the creation has fallen, but we also trust and believe that maybe in this lifetime we can get glimpses, uh, catch uh, glimpses of what is good and true and beautiful. And one of the important places that we catch those glimpses, I would submit to you, is in this community with our brothers and sisters, where we are reminded again in the gospel today that where two or three of us are gathered, there I will be with you also. And from my uh, privileged perspective here, uh, I get to see that in all kinds of amazing, beautiful, wonderful ways. So again, corollary number one, just because we believe in original sin, it doesn't mean that all of creation is therefore bad. We believe we're able to catch glimpses of what is good in this lifetime. Final point, second corollary. Um, Because, and again, this one for me provides some helpful context, uh, helps put this life in perspective. Because we are dislocated from our relationship with God in this lifetime, one of the things that means is that this is not our true home. We are pilgrims in a foreign land during this lifetime. And again, here, the Hall of Fame is once again instructive. The Baseball Hall of Fame is not located located in the true home of baseball in the sense that it's where baseball was born. Uh, We don't know where baseball was actually born. It was lost to us in the mists of time somewhere. The good news for us as Christians is that our true home is not lost. We believe and trust that our true home is ahead of us where one day we will be restored into perfect and right relationship with God and with one another and with all of creation. And because of that, as Christians, we live with hope, which is a beautiful posture to think about as we enter into another church year that we live with hope. And here's the final thing I will say. Because we live with hope, because we understand hope, because we experience hope, we are able and invited and challenged to share that hope with a world in need. And we'll hear more about the wonderful ways we do that here in the weeks ahead. But for now, will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, Thank you for drawing us together again as your body, the people of Christ. As we gather today, I pray you will remind us that we are pilgrims in a foreign land, and during this lifetime, I pray you will guide and direct our steps to our true home. Give us hope, and help us to share it with those around us. In all this we pray, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.